Hey everyone, welcome back to an all new podcast episode of My Paranormal Life. I am Misty, your ghost hostess with the mostest, and I am going to tell you guys part two of my Hillview Manor experience with my son, Nate. Um, I was kind of hoping to do a session with him, but he is away right now on a little vacay. And so what I am going to do is I definitely have enough to tell you guys to do a part three. So that is where I am going to go with this. And he will be in my part three with me since I would like for him to maybe talk about some of his experiences because we definitely both collectively had a lot of the same, I would say, experiences, but um, he definitely had a little, a little, a few more personal experiences, I have to say, than I did. So, and I would let him do the honors of explaining his experiences with you. But without further ado, I am so excited to let you guys hear this EVP that we caught. Okay, so when I left off part one, um, so you guys already know a little bit of the history um, of Hillview. And so this EVP that I'm going to share with you right now, piggybacking, and I'm just going to get right into it, piggybacking off of part one of Hillview. Um, we caught this during the daytime. So I love people that say, oh, yeah, I'll go to these haunted places during the day. Because I will tell you, I have had quite a few um, really cool, I never call them scary because it takes a lot to scare me. Um, I know that sounds demented, but it's the truth. Uh, humans scare me way more than, than anything I can't see. Um, but I will tell you, we were, this was in the daytime. This was right after we took a daytime tour and everyone at this moment, when we caught this EVP, was outside taking smoke breaks or they were downstairs which was like three levels below us at the gift shop and when i tell you that it was just me and my son in this area no one else was walking hand to god i mean it i am a very strong believer in the paranormal i would never ever ever tell you something that was false or fabricated or something that I created and was not true. Um, I get very, I'm very passionate about the paranormal. I have a lot of belief in the paranormal. So anyone who does fabricate, stretch the truth, create things that is not true, I, even when I see it on the internet, I get frustrated because it's those people that I think create the, I mean, I feel like if anyone's gonna be closed-minded, they're gonna be closed-minded anyway. But I get really frustrated with those people that, you know, put the fake out there because it's, it's discouraging to those of us who have lived through experiences, have had legit experiences that no logic can explain, no science can explain, and ergo, it is paranormal. So this was, me and my son were the ones that were like, after we had seen the picture of um, the two people, and I'm so bad about giving their names, I really wish that I would have like... I'm doing this podcast right now, just verbiage, just me spitting everything that I can. Usually I write my podcast down. I do my research, but this, I really just wanted to get it in there. It's been a minute. Life has been crazy. Really appreciate the prayers still um, 
all of us go through ups and downs in life. I just appreciate a little bit of uplifting from you guys, you listeners, please. So we were, whenever I seen that picture of the, the first um, people who ran the poor farm there when it was Lawrence County home, I immediately knew that the woman that I had seen in that picture uh, made me a little unnerved. And I told you about the gentleman who was her husband. And I just kind of got the impression that he just kind of went with the flow, but he was a little bit more of the enforcer um, where she was more of like the mastermind. Like he kind of did whatever she wanted to do, you know, to make her happy. He was the enforcer, but she was the mastermind. That was what I was picking up. Then um, come to find out, Oh, sorry. This time, I'm trying to speak my truth. And these ghosties are like, no, you can't call us out like that. <laughs> okay, sorry, I had to get a drink. So then we're I immediately, whenever we went on the daytime tour, there was a room I was feeling a little like hmm, about. Like, and come to find out, this was their living quarters. And whenever they ran the poor farm. And I told you guys that we did not, uh, I don't know if I told you that we found, I'm pretty sure I told you, sorry, that we found out that there was like this kind of like storage closet looking area that was right outside of their living quarters. <clears throat> and I just assumed at the, this was in, during the daytime tour. No one spoke of what that room was during the daytime tour. It wasn't until we did a nighttime tour with the psychic medium um, before we went and was able to investigate on our own. Cause like I said, me and my son spent, I think 11 hours here <clears throat> from like daytime all the way into like the nighttime. So it wasn't until the second tour that we actually got like verification of, Oh my God, I think we can put two and two together of what this EVP was about. So whenever we were there, and I'm going to play it for you so you can hear it. And I really, 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 I'm going to hold my, my EVP recorder up to the microphone so you guys can really hear it. So really turn it up. I don't think you're not going to be able to hear it because it was pretty flipping clear to us. Um, and I have to give props to my son because when this happened, I think this was the very first time that I think he may have audibly ever experienced an EVP. And he really actually handled himself very well. I was shocked. Um, I was like, I think we were both shocked because we weren't expecting to, I mean, I guess you never expect to catch an EVP or have experiences like that. So I know like when you hear us, I was like, what, you know, I'll just let you hear it. So without further ado, let me play it for you. Okay. Let me make sure that I have everything ready to roll. Okay, guys, so let me unplug this because I have, of course, my EVP is almost dead. So I don't know if you heard that or not. Here, I'm going to play it again. I'm going to make sure that the, rewind it. 
Rewind it. Give me a second, guys. I'm just trying to, uh, okay. All right. Here we go. Okay. Okay, so I'm hoping you guys heard it right before. If you can like rewind the podcast, do it as many times as you want. I'm I'm going to listen back to the podcast. Just make sure that you guys heard it. But it is very faint. But if you but whenever we were there, it was not faint at all. It legit sounded like it came right outside of that room that we were in where their living quarters was. And if you would hear, like, right before I said hello, you can hear, like, someone go, oh, like, almost like, like, my son said, it sounded like a howl, but to me, it sounded like a painful groaning or moaning, okay? And so, come to find out, at the, um, at the second walkthrough that we did, the one with the psychic before we were able to do our nighttime investigation, they actually reported that that cubby storage area, whatever you close it basically, was used by the, um, the, 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 the man and woman who ran the Lawrence County home was used as a form a room of a form of punishment for those who did not i guess quote unquote earn their keep while staying at the poor farm if they felt like they weren't um i guess doing what they needed to do whatever reason that they felt that they needed to torture and abuse these people they did it and that was absolutely one of the coolest evps that i have caught since Waverly Hills. Um, I cannot wait to share with you guys the Waverly Hills one. That actually, and then I have a few from, and I don't want to tell you all the places I've been because then it's going to like ruin it. But I have quite a few EVPs that I will be sharing um, with a bunch of different places, but I've caught quite a few cool EVPs in my time. Um, but enough with that. Let me explain to you the Hillview Manor experience that we had from that moment there on. And then part three, I will explain to you, and this one I'm going to explain to you a little bit more history behind it. And then part three, I'll have my son on here and we'll explain um, the rest of our experiences together. So once it, when it was the Lawrence County home um, for the poor, basically a poor farm, 
Um, and for those of you who don't know what a poor farm is, and I feel like I explained this in part one, it, I actually grew up in a poor farm. Um, I, I did, it wasn't a poor farm when I lived there, but it was actually a almshouse, which is known as a poor farm. And then it actually was um, a hospital that was used, uh, it was used as a makeshift hospital in the Civil War. Um, and then it became like, they renovated it, the person that bought it renovated it into like apartment complexes. So I grew up in a poor farm. And can I tell you that poor farms all across America, there are many more that I plan on visiting because I feel like, I don't know why, but I feel so drawn to them because I don't know if it's because of, I grew up in a poor farm, having spiritual experiences, having ghost-like experiences, whatever you want to call it. And I really feel like most poor farms, so much pain and suffering and mistreatment went on at these poor farms um, because what they were was a place where back in those days, you could just dump off your family member if they, you know, were showing any type of mentally ill or um, retardation. And I don't like to use that term, but that is what they called it back in those days. Um, or say that you had no, you were orphaned, you had no living, but you were, you know, an adult orphan, you have no living family, you just kind of, you know, it was just you, or you were, um, you know, of low intelligence, um, didn't really fit the mold into society back in those days. And it was really sad, because these people really had no one and nowhere to go and then to like have that heavy burden in your soul and then to be totally mistreated just absolutely crushes me as a person so um yeah it, it it was and the way that these people were mistreated for their money and i will tell you the story of how mistreated they were for their money we found out that the reason that it was shut down the lawrence county home it was because there were a lot of reports going in of mistreatment and the county just as long as bills were paid and things were going well they just kind of brushed it under the rug until and i love this i just absolutely love this because i feel like you can only do dirty for so long in life and god will expose you you will be exposed one day um, whether it's on this earth or whenever you're standing before and have to, to reckon with him. Um, and the there was a flood, like a downpour, torrential rain downpour one day. And all of a sudden after this really, I think it was a, like over a few days where they had really heavy torrential rains. Um, I believe this is how the facts kind of went. Um, that then there was a <laughs> exhuming, a natural exhuming of many bodies buried in behind the poor farm that because of the heavy rains and because there were multiple bodies in shallow graves that they rose to the surface. And like I said, God exposed it. I have, whenever... 
the they were telling us this it was immediate to me it was like i never had felt such a certainty in all my life and my soul that i was like that was meant to happen that god had a hand in that to be like this is enough the way you people are treating my people this is enough and um so ultimately because all of these people that then they were um apparently dead because their bodies was raised from the ground in a shallow grave. However, these the man and woman who ran the Lawrence County home was still receiving funding for these people. So did they kill themselves? Did they just die natural causes? And or was foul play done? And regardless, these people were taken advantage of deceased individuals money still still collecting money from the county from the government for these people who were deceased and um yeah and i just think that that's an absolute ironic story of how it ended how the lawrence county home ended once that happened i believe the state took over and then it became hillview manor which is what it's known today. It was um, a nursing home facility. I will tell you that all because it then was taken over and became a nursing home facility, there was still not a lot of good reports to be said about it. Um, there are some lighthearted stories. There are some very dark stories. There are some very heavy stories. But um, one of the ones that stuck out to me the most was the story of two friends. And um, I, I am so going to butcher their names. I'm so bad at this. I feel like their names was like Lester and Charlie or something like that. And they were two older men. And apparently back in the day, there was like, um, I think, I don't, no, it was called a Piggly Wiggly. I don't know what it honestly was called, um, but it was a Kmart-like or Walmart-like, like an Ames or something like that, but way back in the day, okay? That was like right across the street from Hillview. Well, these two guys were like best friends. They were pals. They were partners in crime. One of them was a big jokester and the other one was a prankster. So the one was always trying to get you know, the nurse's attention and the other one would run down the hall streaking. Apparently he was like the resident streaker he was known as. So, and you could tell by their picture that um, that was another picture that was in the foyer before we went on the tour. I could just tell that these two men were very lighthearted, ornery spirits. And I knew that they meant no harm. So I was kind of intrigued to see how the night would play out because apparently we were told they definitely like to make themselves known. They are not shy about making themselves known. So that was exciting for me. Well, I won't tell you about that experience yet. But I'll just continue telling this. Apparently, these two gentlemen were sick and tired of sharing the same TV because they couldn't agree upon the whatever they wanted to watch. So they took it upon themselves to go down to this, you know, local Kmart, whatever it was back in those days. And they picked up a TV from the store, and this was all in walking distance to where Hillview is now. Picked up a TV, walked back to Hillview, had a cart, you know, had it in the cart, um, 
But whenever they went to check out at the, <laughs> the store, they told them, we don't have the cash for it. Hillview, you can just bill it to Hillview. We're, we're, we're headed there now. Just call them up and, and let them know that, that we're here and you could just put it on their bill. Well, obviously, I would assume that the people that were there didn't call the cops. They just called, um, they called Hillview and said, hey, you know, this is what happened. And sure enough, by the time that they got back there and they wheeled their, their shopping cart in, um, <laughs> the ladies were like, you guys, you can't do that. <laughs> you got to return the TV. So they were a little salty about not getting the TV. And uh, what's really crazy is, is there is a shopping cart right near their, um, their rooms. Um, and I, I was told that that was legit, the shopping cart that they used quite frequently. So um, that was a really cool experience to be able to still have a part of. And I think that's maybe why they're still there. Maybe they enjoyed it there because it sounded like they had a good time or they made the most of their time at Hillview. Um, I will say that me and my son did have a very personal experience with these two. I do believe, but I'm going to wait until he's here so we can explain that story. Some of the other stories of Hillview that we learned down in the um, basement broiler room area, there was a gentleman back in the day who um, did work as a maintenance worker there, and he liked to drink a lot. Um, and he was out on the town one night. It was, I believe, in December, extremely cold, extremely snowy. And friends of his found him kind of passed out, kind of blacked out outside of Hillview. And so they thought that they would do them a favor and somehow they must have wound up trying to get him into the broiler room and they succeeded thinking that, you know, the broiler would be on and he would get warm and, you know, he would come to on his own recognition, you know, or recognizance, I guess. And, um, and he didn't. So he eventually died of, you know, hypothermia and possibly alcohol poisoning. Um, I don't, I know it definitely the elements is what they said is what killed him. But um, so he is known to kind of roam the area down there in the boiler room. Um, I can tell you, I did feel very uncomfortable down in that broiler room, not because it's a creepy broiler room, just because it just definitely did have a creepy vibe. Um, apparently he does like to smack women's butts and gets a little physical. So um, really wasn't too, too comfortable in that, that area down there. Um, just, you know, me and my, my, my spidey, my spidey senses was, was not really feeling too comfortable down there. Um, there is another lady that um, I'll wait for me and my son to, to have a full blown conversation with you guys on that one. But her name was Mary Virginia and she has cerebral palsy and she was, uh, I'm going to say she was the light of Hillview besides uh, the two gentlemen who just were total goofballs and pranksters. Um, Mary Virginia, I will definitely have to say I could just feel that she was a sweet soul. And we did have a slight experience uh, in her room as well. And um, let me see what else. Oh, oh, um, Jeffrey. Jeffrey's a little boy, spirit of a little boy. Um, he is in, I forget what corridor. I'll have to do more research so I can like totally verify all this stuff with you guys. But um, we had an experience with Jeffrey. We did a ghost box session with a fellow investigator who was with us. 
Um, it was kind of funny because they were a mom and son and, you know, me and my son were together. So we kind of teamed up about halfway through. We kind of we were doing our own thing in the beginning, but we kind of connected with these people and they were great. And then the four of us became six of us because then there was two other women who we just kind of started vibing with. And then we had an awesome experience downstairs in the uh, the basement area. But um, with with all that being said, oh, my God, Hillview has layers. It just has layers. Downstairs, there is a storage room. And this storage room, when I mean to tell you it was so overwhelming, me having uh, psychic abilities to walk into the storage room, I could just pick up on so many energies and so and there was so much sadness. And but we had an amazing EVP session down there um, through a, a spirit box where we actually there was a lady that who was with us. She um, was Italian, and apparently there is Italian woman down there that loves to talk about her Italian recipes. So we were we were told that in the uh, second tour that we took, and so we kind of piggybacked off of that. And she loved to cook, so she started talking about you know all the the different Italian lingos and what she would do. And I mean to tell you, when we started getting through the ghost box. We started getting like, um, I think we got spaghetti and then we had the the phrase um, sauce, but it was, but the way it, the, the sauce, it was like real Italian, it was like sauce, like it was really Italian, the accent and it was nuts. Like we were all like, oh my God, I cannot believe that. And like she bits and pieces, um, she would kind of like, it would make sense with us. Um there's also, I think, a gentleman who was another maintenance worker by the name of George, I believe, who likes to be down in the storage basement area. And he was apparently not very friendly. And we did get, get out a few times with him. That was a little, um, yeah, when someone tells me to get out, I don't play around. I respect them. I know I'm in their space. I get out. Um then again, Jeffrey, I, I don't want to get too involved with that, but that was pretty insane and um, very intense for my son, I have to say. And then finally, there is the creeper. And I wish I could do a video podcast. I mean, I know I can, but I'm still a little leery showing my face and just I kind of like the whole like mysteriousness behind just the voice. You know, like, I've always liked talk radio. I know most people don't, but I do. And um, so but I wish I could show you this picture that I caught. I caught one of the most creepiest photos um, of my entire paranormal investigative career at Hillview. Um, I started feeling very unnerved. And I told my son, I said, at this moment, I told him, you know, I need you to just, because he's kind of got two left feet. And I'm like, I need you to just continue just walking that way. I'm going to walk with you. I said, but I'm going to be behind you and I'm going to be walking backwards. I said, because whatever is going on right now, I can feel it and it's following us and I could tell it's close. And I was just kind of being mama bear. You know, I just kind of felt this presence so strong. And I just started snapping. I'm like, I know something is following us. I can feel it. I can sense it. And I'm just snap, 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 snap with my camera. And lo and behold, this picture, the whole entire picture is fine. It is not blurry. It is not distorted. It is only distorted in a corner. 
um, by a door frame and peeking around the door frame, which this is what the creeper is known to do. The creeper is known to crawl up walls, uh, crawl on the ceiling, crawl on the floor. And apparently he moves very rapidly. And I was picking up on this energy. I really was. And lo and behold, you can actually make out this face figure. And if you've ever seen Portals to Hell episode on Hillview on Discovery Plus, and if you haven't, you need to watch it. Because as the ladies of Hillview who run the investigations there continuously, what they caught is exactly what I caught on photo. And it blew my mind. Um I was a little unnerved because it definitely creeps you out. Now we are told, is it a demon? We don't know. Is it a spirit of a gentleman who committed suicide and is a little grumpy? I don't know. Um, we were told that there is a, a gentleman by the name of Angelo who did commit suicide there, but he, the psychic medium said he was a very sensitive soul and treat him with respect. He is very sorrowful so we definitely did but there's some people that feel like maybe angelo puts on this facade this mask to scare people away because he just wants to be left alone so there are plenty of layers to hillview manor guys and there are so many more stories to be told if you ever get the opportunity and you are not afraid to face the paranormal I can promise you, if you go to Newcastle, Pennsylvania, and you visit the Hillview Manor, you will have an experience. Um, but that is going to be all that I talk about on this podcast. So stay tuned for part three of Hillview Manor with me and my son, Nate, and we are going to explain the rest of our experiences. Hope you guys have a great week.